Into the Zeitgeist, the comedic research podcast, is funded by you. Thank you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash WDM1. Hello and hi. Welcome to Into the Zeitgeist. My name is David Waters, and I'm joined as always by my friend and colleague, Shannon, the Taylor Swift made me do it, Boffman. <laughs> hey, hey David. How's it going, Shannon? It's been going good. Um, to catch you up very briefly on like the last hour and a half or so of my life, there's this new show on Hulu called... Um, I think it's called, like, The Girl from Plainview, but it's about the Michelle Carter case. Have you heard about this? No. Have you seen Um, seen this? Have you heard about this? Yes. (laughs) No, no, that's, like, a a South Park joke. (laughs) I don't know why we always got to start with one, but (laughs) here we are. My bad. Okay, I missed it, but I'm caught up now. Anyways, so uh, there's a really great HBO documentary that uh, is a documentary, whereas the series on Hulu is like a fictional retelling, a lot like the Pam and Tommy story. Um, And so the Michelle Carter case, this girl, there's a lot of backstory to it, but basically this girl got charged with... (laughs) manslaughter because she convinced her boyfriend to kill himself okay but like there's a lot of twists in the case where like i personally as someone who advocates for people with mental health i don't necessarily think the motivations behind the trial itself were just and i think that this fictional series is hopefully gonna kind of maybe i don't know i don't know if i want people to be convinced but it's an interesting case nevertheless Hmm. i'll have to take a look into it sounds really interesting like it sounds like this lady was telling like half truths and that's where all the twists and turns come from Absolutely. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she yeah. did kill her boyfriend. Not, it wasn't just manslaughter. It was murder. Well, he did technically kill himself, which is why oh. it's like I don't necessarily like talking about true crime that involves death. I personally prefer like bank heists you know or like you know a a good con that's a good episode idea we should we should research and see some heists some intricate heists like gta 5 or something like level uh that'd be cool yeah like oceans 11 (laughs) yeah exactly exactly i love stuff like that um but yeah so anyways with this like um he did actually uh kill himself and it was sad but then it's just also kind of like i don't know um you agency know, blame you know not to change like the topic like no we're done <laughs> <laughs> uh but like it what you were just saying reminded me of like just the suspenseful 
type of thing reminds me of when I was delivering pizzas the other day. Um, like in this town, it's like, um, the streets are smaller, so like you can really only fit one car through, or you'd have to like move over to the far left or whatever, or far right. Excuse me. It's like I don't know how to drive. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, um, I went to this apartment one time, and then like a car, the car almost backed into me, but it was like wrapped with this black, and then it had Chucky on the side. Um, that's what's been happening in my life. And so I almost got wrecked um, into a nice fancy car. I, I don't like, like that. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit, I better back up. This guy's going to hit me. But, yeah, that's what happened in my last week. Aww. You've been... So, for uh, before we can get crazy and into it, for the uninitiated into the zeitgeist is our bi-weekly comedic research podcast where we explore touchstones of the past and drag them back up to be talked about and shit like that. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash WDM1. Also, go check out our uh, Facebook and Instagram pages to see when new episodes go live. Um, Shannon, Perching Our Sins, I don't know if you want to talk about today's episode or you want to go uh, do the opening segments first. So, okay, so I, okay, a couple of things. I realized first I do kind of have an, a sin adjacent to what's going to happen here today. So let me explain. Please. <laughs> My sin is that I have a habit of like when I walk, I like to look like I very purposeful. Unless like I'm bored and then I'm walking around like looking for people to talk to, but otherwise like it is with purpose. Like, you are not going to interrupt me. I know where I'm going. Oh, okay. I see. I get you now. We're not going to chit-chat. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, the other day, I had to go give this talk to a class in a building I'd never been in before. And so, I start walking, and I'm doing my thing, and I find what... I think is the building and I walk in and the building is like under construction oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> and, and there's like a door that looks like I sh like you know how there's like sometimes a door and a staircase and it's like all concrete and then there's another door yes like you're not really supposed to be there yes and I realized that was happening, but I just was like, I'm in the right building. I must be. And so, like, I went through the next door past the construction, and I'm just, like, walking, and these people are walking past me, and I start realizing, like, these people are dressed to, like, the nines. Like, I'm like, whoa, like, okay, so... I know I'm supposed to be, like, in a kind of fancier building, but, like, these are still professors we're talking about here. Like, Interesting. You have on, like, 
you know the plot thickens <laughs> red bottoms i'm like what is happening and so then i like keep walking and finally there's like a placard and it's like a law office of so and so i was oh. like oh this is the wrong building <laughs> and so then i like left then i i didn't have my phone with me so then i just kept walking and kind of hoped for the best still kind of doing my purposeful thing Classic. and then i did find the right building um nice. but yeah like i don't know i guess it's just like a lesson and like <laughs> don't get too confident but if you are you know commit Right. Oh my god. I have a great follow-up story to that. So recently I took my sister, uh, my second youngest sister to orientation over here. I think it's called nice. Alamo Community Colleges uh, yeah. District or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she had orientation uh, near, it was like their Austin campus or whatever. And it they bought a mall and like refurbished it to like it's like, you know how malls have the cornerstone stores, like JCPenney, Ross. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like Dillard's, shit like that. Uh, that's, they were, those were considered buildings and like the thing, like the thing throughout would be like just this like maze of what, is weirdly does look like a mall and i like walked into some construction accidentally <laughs> uh, like i just like kept walking and walking and then like we turned down this hallway um it was me my sister and her boyfriend and like after we dropped her off we like kept walking ran into this construction and then turned to like right i think it was and then like popped in on this class um, like, oops, sorry, your math class is going on. It's just two guys here. Um, and so, yeah, I, I left the room. So what it, so the, the, the mall was converted into the college. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That's what I thought whenever I went there and then I got embarrassed. Did it have the escalators? Oh no, it wasn't that big of a mall. Like it was all walking. Oh. It was pretty big. It was a pretty big campus, though, I have to admit. That's cool. Like Did for, they have, like, a food court? Um, it looked like, like you know, the center <laughs> was supposed to be that, like how a typical mall would be. Yeah. Um, but not not really. Um, they had, like, a, like a serve-yourself station with microwaves and stuff like that, but nothing, like, crazy like that. Yeah. Huh. I don't even know if my school has like a student use microwave. <laughs> Damn, I wouldn't want to be sharing my microwave with those kids anyway. Yeah, like they're not they're stainless adults, steel, <laughs> David. Well, goodness. aren't we all? Aren't we all? Like you're but... any better? <laughs> I... Yeah. At the end of the day, aren't we all just using the microwave? <laughs> oh my god, we're all just using each other's microwaves. Aww. Okay, Shannon. So, to get into reminiscing, only Shannon will be able to reminisce uh, about this. But, Shannon, why don't you go ahead and take it away? I'm, I'm doing a horrible job. 
No, you're doing great. Um, so the backstory here is, um, like a week and a half ago or so, maybe less, um, Taylor Swift made this Instagram post saying that she was going to have a new song in the, um, movie adapted version of this book called Where the Crawdads Sing. She made this whole post about how she loved this book and the song's going to be so great. Um, and so I was like, oh, I guess I have to read this book. Hmm. <laughs> and so I read this book. I'm not going to lie. I read it really fast. It probably took me like, I don't know, two and a half days to read this book. Um, and other people could probably read it a lot quicker, but there would just be times where, like, I could not, um, suspend my disbelief that I would just have to be like, I can't look at this. Um, but anyways, to back up a little bit, so the story kind of jumps timelines, like, it starts, um, in 1952, and then, um, a next chapter, so it goes forward to 1969. Um, and I always remembered the 1969 because I'd see it and I'd be like, nice. nice. But then those chapters would be about this dead guy. And we wow. didn't know who the dead guy is for like a while. Anyways, we'll get back to the plot. But so the book takes place in North Carolina in like a marsh area. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the setting really um, reminded me a lot of, like, Louisiana. Yeah. And I feel like you said you you have family, like, there and that you're kind of familiar, like, with, you know. Um, that way. What do you want to. Like culture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, my dad's family, um, they are from northern Louisiana, but they have friends down south. And so, like, the more what you would call swamp area, like swampland. Yeah, so that's, like, what this is. Mm -hmm. So... Um, did you ever, like, go visit those people? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, uh, quite a few times, and it would always be so, oh my god, the food. I I am a sucker for, uh, like, that type of food, and I just... What kind of food would they make? I bet it's similar they would they would do alligator a lot i'm not just pulling that from swamp things <laughs> yeah um but yeah that crawfish that's where my love call for it crawfish do you really oh, mm-hmm. love it so much oh my god my sisters hate it because i always used to put like the crawfishes on like the ends of my fingers and, like <laughs> You know, like those toys you used to do. Yeah. (laughs) They hated that and scarred them. But yeah, Yeah. no, very familiar. Very familiar. But they have like cornbread? No, not really. Cornbread is not your thing. Like it would be like after you would would fry the crawfish or whatever, uh, or boil the crawfish, it would be like red potatoes. But then. Oh, there you go. They always have like. Fries in a bag, like like a store, ma- a store, store bought like French fries, 
you just <laughs> oh, like I love that. you throw that into they like oh, fry so it or smart. whatever they fry it yeah. in like big batches and I'm like oh shit this is some good shit because it's like they always yeah. they always used to do fish too like every type of fish like yeah uh, catfish is good but um that they would also the boars are a big thing out there in northern Louisiana, and they would cook like the back strap of the boar, and it was like the best thing ever. And then they would throw Ooh. the French fries in after that, so it had that taste of it. And I was like, oh my god, this is the best food ever! Oh my god, I love it. Um, uh, did they? <laughs> Do y'all eat gr- grits? Oh no, I am not a fan of grits. You don't like grits? Oh, I hate them. Hey. Oh, I love grits. Um, they talked about grits a lot in this book. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the setting, but set of Louisiana, it's North Carolina. Um, the idea of Louisiana, like swamp was all I really had to go on. So that's all I really kept picturing in my head. So I'm going to try to describe what happens in this book as best as I can to you. Okay. But. But. I was going to say before I I do that, (laughs) I just remembered that I wanted to ask you what you thought about the Oscars. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We were going to talk about that. Um, that's the only thing I saw from it. I like, I didn't watch, I don't know who won or whatever, but. Right. um, Did you watch the clip? Yeah, I watched the clip of, of, I don't know. I see both sides. But Chris Rock, I don't know. I I think it was a PR stunt. Like. Do you think so? First off, like, okay, one of my students showed me the video this morning. He was like, you didn't watch it? And I was like, I think I got the gist. And he's like, no, you need to watch it. And, like, so I did. And right after he tells the joke, uh, Will Smith is laughing. And he, like, coughs. And then he, like, starts to get real mad. Like, I don't know. Like, if it took him a second to process what he said or, like, what happened... But then he gets up and, like, goes and slaps him. Um, I thought Chris Rock handled that really well. Yeah, yeah. Some people are calling him a bitch. But How would you have reacted? I probably would have done the same thing, just because I'm not a violent person. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, hey, I don't know. I think he did do the right thing. Like, fuck Will Smith. Like, he's not... In, my, in the same, I mean, I guess he was standing up for his woman, whatever, but isn't that complicated to begin with? Yeah, um, so. for sure. Anyways. Yeah, and that's kind of part of why I think it's a PR stunt. Like, it makes him, like, look like he's protecting his woman, but then we're all kind of like, was that, like, what it was? <laughs> You know, like Chris That's Rock a good point. is now. now you, you're, like, you're making me believe. <laughs> you're making me believe on that. That's a yeah. That's, that's a, the plot thickens. Oh my! Gosh. I just also I've heard like from celebrity like blinds, rumors, gossip that like Will Smith isn't nice, but I just have a hard time believing he'd be like genuinely upset with another rich person. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
It happens all the time, Shannon. <laughs> billionaires beef. That's why they call it billionaires beef. Oh, Lord. Well, that that's, derailed. That's like a, I know. Yeah, that could be a good TV show. It's like that one podcast that we, that. that we referenced uh, whenever we were doing the Dixie Chicks or whatever. Uh, the rivals, the rivals uh, podcast yeah. about the country. So we should just do it with billionaires, <laughs> right? Billionaires beefing with each other. Oh my! I mean, there's not even that many of them. <laughs> are is there? I don't know how many there are. I'm curious. You, you keep talking, and I'm gonna look that up. You're gonna keep talking. Oh, you, anyways, you keep talking. My bad. So, audience, I'm sorry. We were gonna talk about Tamagotchi, but we and we do have that ready, and um, we'll do that next time. But we're gonna talk a little bit about this book. We're gonna finish figuring out what happened at the Oscars, deciphering the clues. <laughs> are you good david yeah i just found out the number of how many billionaires there are how many are there two thousand seven hundred and fifty five as of 2021 okay well that's not that many so if that's that a... many people know each other though surely some of them have beef oh surely yeah when you're competing with, you, when you're competing with other billionaires yeah, yeah. Like, look at my franchise. Look at my. I don't. Does it say who any of them are? Um. Let's see. Oh, how many trillionaires are there in the world? I'm just gonna click on that real quick. <laughs> oh, like as of. Uh, well, that's 2018. I don't give a shit. What was I looking up, Shannon? <laughs> oh, I was just asking if it listed who any of them were. You could have oh. just said no, bud. <laughs> Sorry. Warren Buffett. Oh, Warren Buffett's down. Warren Buffett? <laughs> He's down. <laughs> he He's went, dead? No, he went down, like, as in the, like, the rankings. <laughs> Is he still alive? Oh, Warren Buffett? Yeah, dude, he eats McDonald's every day. How can you still be? <laughs> like, how do you think he lives? He eats McDonald's every day. Dude, have you, uh, the Warren Buffett diet, I think it was like a Diet Coke or something. Oh These billionaires God. got some, like, I mean, they got money to be spending, so. He is 91 years old. I'm not, like, wrong to be questioning his aliveness. <laughs> 91 is old. That's like old. There's Jim Walton. Do you know who Jim Walton? Oh, Walmart. <laughs> the Waltons. The Waltons. Okay, Dude, they Shannon. sell walls there? Um, we are so, anyways. <laughs> Tangent. I like this, though. Um, Me too. Hopefully, I'll like it, too. This is super off the cup. And um, these ideas about this book are all mine. David hasn't read it. I don't think after I tell him about it that he'll want to. But so with that being said, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. So like I said, (laughs) let me back up. Um, North Carolina, Swampland, all the food you were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. kind of, but they're also 
it's this family. It starts out talking about this family. And this is 1952. There's this mom, a dad, a little girl who's like three or four. And she ends up being the main character. Her name is Kaya. She has like one or two older brothers and one or two older sisters. And um, they live on a swamp. Um, her parents were came from wealth, but then when the Great Depression happened, they lost all their money, and the house was all they had left. Um, and what? Oh, and that like the house isn't super great. Like they don't have money really to keep it up. Their dad was in World War Two, I think. Right? Would that have been right before nineteen fifty? Two. World War Two. World War Two. Vietnam. Uh, Vietnam is like seventy six. Oh, never mind. Not that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, I think World War Two. World War Two. It's like fifties. Nineteen fifty was Korean Korean War. But this was right after, so he was oh, okay. in a war before this. So I'm oh, pretty yeah, sure it was World War Two. Yeah, forty five would have been. Yeah. Um, he had a lot of trauma from that and so I guess he like got diagnosed with um PTSD and so that is where all their money comes from um but they know how to fish they go fishing all the siblings um but because of their dad's trauma like he drinks a whole bunch and he yells and beats their mom a whole bunch um, this starts getting progressively worse. Um, the years go on. You keep reading this, um, jumped forward story about these detectives investigating this dead man. Mm-hmm. You do not know who this dead man is for like a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so to keep y'all on pace where I was, I'm not going to tell you who he is yet. Um, <laughs> God, this this book. So the dad is abusing the mom. One day the mom decides to leave and she never comes back. And this girl at this point, I think she's like five. So her older brother kind of steps up and starts taking care of the family and does all the cooking, cleaning, tries to keep their dad happy. So the dad doesn't beat them because now that the mom's gone, this is what he's turned to. Um, they all hide from him. They don't go to school. Um, I think her older siblings did, but she like goes to school one day because, um, the teachers come and force her to go to school mm-hmm. and the kids bully her. And like, I don't know, they're not even that, that mean, but they do call her like Marsh girl or something. Yeah. <laughs> call her Marsha. <laughs> Like, I get that that would hurt your feelings, but you're also only, like, five. Like, does it hurt your feelings? Oh, my God. Like, kids called me four eyes. Like, it's fine. I don't know. I guess her mom did abandon her, so she's struggling with that at this point, too. Fair enough. So having bullying on top of that, I don't know. Yeah. So 
She, after she gets bullied, she decides she's never going back to school. Anytime the teachers come to try to get her, she runs off and hides in the woods. Um, cause she's really familiar with the woods from playing in them, growing up there. It's really all she's ever known. Yeah. She'll go to town with, she would go to town with her mom every once in a while when her mom was still around, but it was like super rare. Um, and so the only people she's ever interacted with are pretty much her family and like this one lady at the grocery store. Hmm. Um, well, and I guess those kids in the class that one time and that didn't go very well for her. So she runs off into the woods each time these people come to get her. Um, and then like after three weeks, they just kind of give up. And I think they do tell the police, but the police are kind of like, what else is what are they gonna do like they're swamp people like they're really prejudiced towards them because uh they're poor and live on the swamp these people are white um which i don't know i think it kind of becomes important because there's like some racist subtext to the book that kind of comes along that I didn't particularly care for. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> eventually what happens is mom leaves. She's by herself, not going to school. Eventually the older siblings one by one, all get tired of their dad beating them. They all leave. Mm-hmm. Her oldest brother feels so bad about leaving her I think his name's Jody and he's like, I'm so sorry. Um, but he like, can't take it from their dad anymore. And so then it's just her and her dad. And then she starts taking care of her dad and cooking and cleaning and doing everything. And she's like six at this point. Um, yeah, doing all of this by herself. Oh, and also in this house, like it's really, it's really small. And so her bed is like outside on a porch i get the impression it's kind of like a sunroom porch but she keeps just calling it the porch with her porch bed like it's really fucking depressing and you're like what the fuck like why are you sleeping on the porch and like even after all of her siblings leave she doesn't even like move into one of their beds she just keeps like sleeping on the porch and she like makes it a point to tell you the audience like i'm still sleeping on my porch bed i'm like okay great like i don't know why you're gonna die on that hill (laughs) (laughs) whatever you do you girl um and so her dad like gets really happy with the fact that she's been caring for them Mm -hmm. and so for a month he like quits drinking and like gets his act together and is like a real father to her he like really teaches her how to fish how to get bait like better than she learned from her brothers. They really spend a lot of time bonding. Mm-hmm. He realizes that she has observed a lot of, a lot about nature, like just from being a kid, being outdoors all the time. They don't have, they're too poor to afford like a TV or anything like that. And she doesn't know how to read. So like just being in nature is all she's ever really known. So like, she just knows all these nature facts. I'm not going to lie. I would sk- skim those really quick. I, don't even think I could tell you a single one of them. There's a whole bunch in the book and I'm sure they're probably accurate relatively. Um, 
so then things are going well for like a month. Then her mom sends a letter and she gets the letter, but she can't read the letter because she doesn't know how to read. Oh, she shit. hasn't gone to school. Yeah. And so then she tries to like sneak the letter to her dad, but she also doesn't want to upset him. So she like leaves it on a table, runs off into the woods comes back and her dad is not only setting the letter on fire he's setting like all of her mom's old clothes and artwork on fire and her mom was like a really talented painter and so (laughs) she's just like devastated that he's done this oh shit and she like screams and loses her mind at him and eventually one day he just leaves too and i think she's like seven or eight at this point so she has figured out from going with her dad to this bait shop that um there's this guy there um and he's a black guy so there's like this part of town where they go to get like bait and hang out um and she describes it as like the black part of town um And I guess, like, they're more accepting of them, even though they're poor. But I kind of get the impression that they're not very impressed with these people either. Um, But regardless, Jumpin' kind of, this guy, Jumpin', he takes a bonding for the main character. And again, her name's Kaya. I'm not sure if I've said that enough. Um... And so he agrees that if she digs up these oysters, as long as she's the first one there every morning, he'll give her money in exchange for bait. Um, and so she starts doing that for a while and that's like how she's surviving. (laughs) And then, yeah, and that goes on for a while. A lot of stuff happens, but then she starts to get a little bit older And this boy who lives um, near the marsh that she lives on Mm -hmm. starts taking up bonding towards her um, as well, but, like, in a more, like, oh, I'm into you kind of a way. But he is, like, 18, I think, and she's 14. So he's also kind of, like, you're still kind of too young. But he's into her because he likes that she knows all these nature facts. Um, he likes nature too. And so he decides that he is going to take it upon himself to teach her how to read and write. And I swear to God, six pages later, this girl can read and write. And she isn't just reading and writing. (laughs) She is like reading these like science books with like science words in them that I don't even know how to pronounce. Like... I'm just talking about some talent. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is like one of the moments where I was just like, I can't keep reading this. Like, stop. So then she really gets bonded with this guy, and um, he kind of like, it's awkward because he doesn't like the age difference but he is into her and he's feeling like she's mature like she's raised herself like literally by herself been alone this entire time um and so i guess he feels like she's mature in a way because of that Mm -hmm. and so they kiss 
And she wants to do more, but he's like, no, 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 like, you're a child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, why did you even kiss her? Right. Weirdo. <laughs> and so God. then, then, oh, and this guy, his name is Tate. Like, what a fuckboy name. Right. Um, so then Tate... Like, goes off to college and, like, barely even tells her goodbye. And, like, is like, oh, I guess I'll come visit you. But then never goes to visit her, ever. And so, yeah. Wow. Right? I know. I know. This story has <laughs> gone through many roller coaster <laughs> hills and valleys. Right? I'm like, what the fuck? People are reading this? Okay. Here's my thing with this book. Like, I couldn't stop reading it, but not in, like, a guilty pleasure way. I was going to ask you this earlier, but I'll pause here to ask you. Uh-huh. Have you watched on Netflix that show? It's called You with Joe, the creepy guy. I have watched episodes. I have not watched the whole thing. So that TV series is based off um, a book series. And I eat those books up. Guilty pleasure. Is oh, it great Lord. fiction? No. Would I recommend it? And if you're looking for a good time for a couple of hours, why not? Right. This book? Fuck no, I would not recommend my men that anybody read this book. Like, oh my gosh. It is Wait, is that the depressing. end? No. Oh. We're not even done yet. Oh my God. Oh <laughs> Are my we God. at an hour? <laughs> no, no, we're not. Yeah, I would, those You, Hidden Bodies, that book series, if you're looking for a good time, I'd say go read those, super fun, you're not going to be a better person after it, but you're going to have a good time. This book? No, 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 no. Um, So, like I was saying, um, Tate leaves and he's in college, we got four years but he's also like doing science and they mentioned that he's like getting a master's so i feel like it was longer i'm not gonna lie i didn't like keep track of the years like each chapter would tell you what year it was and i didn't do that uh, <laughs> I wasn't unless gonna it was a that. severe jump right and then i like would note it but like otherwise i was just like following the story because it's yeah exactly you understand yeah, so while he's gone, she meets this popular boy, Chase. Chase is, like, the cool kid in town. Um, his family doesn't associate with the um, Marsh Martians. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good one. <laughs> I, I'm okay with you <laughs> mentioning it like that. <laughs> I don't know what to call them. Like, that's, like, the thing this book does not give me, like, a good descriptor of, like, how to describe the situation, these people, where they're living, and that is really kind of bothersome, because I feel like hundreds, thousands of people could identify with this. Have you ever uh, read The Road by Cormac McCarthy? No. It's a good book. I, I definitely recommend it. Um, but he kind of, he writes where it's like the two main protagonists, a father and son duo. Uh, it's only referred to them as like the boy and the man. It's never like nobody gets a proper name throughout the whole book. And it, it kind of writes weird, like it's from the perspective of, you know, 
a kid. It's like from the kid's point of view. Uh, but oh, see, even that, like, if this book had been like that, like, I think that would have made it even better. But that's the thing, like, it at the beginning, like, when the girl is younger, it's like the vocabulary is younger, but it's still being told third person. Um, it's not like the little girl is the narrator, hmm. <sighs> which is yeah, it's it makes you feel removed from the story in a way that I think really misses that piece that you need. Like now that you say that to really feel the connection, like if you were seeing these events through her eyes and like her personal perspective, I think that would have been a much better book. (laughs) Yeah, definitely check out that book. Um, It's a great one. One of my favorites. That's really cool. I love that idea. Um, I think what's cool about that, too, is when you have um, narrator switches like that, we can kind of talk about narrative theory a little bit here. Um, You do really get more kind of like insight, but then you also get more questions because you have to wonder how much you can trust them. And then especially when it's a child's perspective, you have to wonder like the accuracy of what they're seeing. Right. True. It could be taken out of context and only presented to the audience as, you know, as it would be from a kid's eye. Exactly. Uh, comparatively with what is actually going on. Like, but then mommy, like, it's like funny. Mommy and, mommy and daddy are like rubbing up against one another. Like, Oh no, I was going to say it's the classic. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> so hmm. yeah. Anyways, that was a really good um, side note to go back to the plot where we meet now our new fellow popular man, Chase, Again, he's the hotshot quarterback. Everyone thinks he's going to become something. His parents, I believe, do send him off to school, but he comes back for the summers. And then I don't know if he remember if he ends up finishing school or if he decides like he just wants to work for them and like do his own business. He like has a plan. He's not just doping around exactly. Um. Now, he gets really drunk and meets Kaya one night, and at first he's just trying to, like, hit it off with her, but then he realizes he's kind of into her. He also likes that she knows all the nature stuff. All the men are just so attracted to this nature girl. They're like, none of the other girls know about nature. I'm like... What? You live in North Carolina. Like, they know about nature. I promise. (sighs) Anyways. So, he takes a liking to her, and she kind of is into him. He comes around to visit her, but then you can kind of tell it's just to start hooking up with her. Um, She starts hooking up with him. At this point, she's 18. Um... They're hooking up pretty regularly. She comes to find out uh, he's gotten married to this other lady in town. There's nothing about him. Um, 
his mom knew that he was messing around with Kaya because she made him a necklace that had a seashell and he never took it off and his mom asked him about it and he told him it was from her and she got really angry at him and was like you can't talk to the marsh girl like she's below us blah 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 oh i see um he even after he's married he uh still kind of tries to mess around with kaya um one night he tries to force himself on her and the book like goes into unnecessary detail on that. She ends up getting away. Um, which I think is another kind of weird, like uh point when it comes to thinking about the story as a whole and as a narrative, like looking at it from a third person perspective feels kind of ex like of that situation um but anyways so she runs off and gets away from him um and then sometime later she like this is jumping way ahead but she like makes a plan to kill him and so she lures him to a water tower and things go sour and she pushes him off and he dies. And so then you find out Chase has been the dead man that the detectives in the future have been investigating. Um, but at this, it doesn't reveal that Kaya did it until like the last page of the story and the way it does it really ticked me off. Um, she, the detectives come looking for her. Uh, one of her only friends, who she still calls Jumpin', this black guy who's essentially been like a father to her, one of the only people who looked out for her this entire time. Never once does she learn, like, say his name or ask him, like, what is your name? Like, she calls his wife Mabel, but she just continues to call him Jumpin', even when she's, like, 22. That just, like, really ticks me off. Like, by the time she was 22 and still calling him Jumpin', I'm like, okay, look, I get that that's, like, a fun nickname, maybe, but, like, you're smart enough to have, like, observed all this nature. Surely you've observed, like, how that's, like, racist, if not just, like, belittling someone? Like, Mm -hmm. Um, putting putting them down to like what their job is like sure he jumps the boats but like he's more than that and he's especially more to this little girl like at one point his wife like starts collecting church donations for clothes for her and um like they just give her clothes and help her get food like they keep her alive and like they don't send like the cops on her because they're worried like they don't want her to go into protective services like they fucking take care of her and then so after she's learned to read and write um i think this is before she kills chase from what i recall um she starts uh she finds like these nature books that her mom had and she figures out how to transcribe and like paint like and draw these the science art and write about it basically 
and she starts sending these books to some publisher that Tate helps her find, mm-hmm. and she starts making a ton of money just doing that, and, like, that just happens, like, in a couple weeks in the book, which was really weird to me, too. They're just, like, Tate was, like, just send them a picture of your art, and so she does, and they're, like, oh, yeah, we'll make a whole book, and they, like, give her $5,000. I'm, like, in what world... I mean, I know it was, like, the 1950s. Like, even then, I'm like, that seems even more unrealistic that, like, they're, you know, scraping by for nature books. Anyways. Wow. (laughs) So, that is, like, how she's making money. She kills Chase. um, But, so, it alludes very early on to the fact that she killed him. But... It's not final until the end. And throughout the book, she, until the end, she never directly tells anyone, like, that she killed him. People just presume she's innocent because the night that they determined he died, she was meeting with the publisher of these art books. Oh, I see. And so everyone who has, like, always been on her side continues to defend her because of that. The prosecution is adamantly like, no, she had time to come back to like take a bus here, Mm -hmm. go back to the place she was and then come back again. She had time to do that. The prosecution, I think like even in the book, they make like a pretty good case for her being the one that murdered him. Mm -hmm. Um, he at one point, oh, they mentioned that his seashell necklace is gone. His mom is like, no one else would want that but her. Like, his mom is literally like, she did it from the beginning of the book. And she's not wrong. Like, I almost feel kind of bad for this guy's mom. Like, I don't know if he, like, deserved to die. Like, he did a really terrible thing. Uh, Kaya took justice into her own hands. I'm kind of like, whatever with that. That's not really my biggest qualm with the book. Of a lot of others. <laughs> like, with the way she treats people and the way I'm supposed to, like, believe these, like, outrageous plot lines. Um hmm. At one point, Tate helps her get, like, this fancy lawyer, and so um, just through, like, basically getting witnesses that are willing to defend her, um, he gets her off, and (laughs) she's, like, free to go, and no one ever really questions if she really did it. Oh, my gosh. And then um, she moves, I think. I don't really remember. I started really reading fast near the end because I was like, what the fuck is happening? Um, <laughs> and, oh, her and Tate decide to get together because the age gap isn't a problem now. Um, so they're together. And he, oh, they're remodeling their house. And she has to go, like, on a publishing trip or something. Um, and he, during the remodel, they moved this, like, old fireplace that she'd always kept ever since she was a child. And he finds, like, this box of poems. And so throughout the book, I didn't mention this because um, I skimmed them. But throughout the book, there's all these poems that she references. She's like, this is my favorite poem. And she says they're by this woman, Amanda Hamilton. And I'm reading this book, like, I don't know who Amanda Hamilton is. I'm not going to read this poem. Whatever. Like, like I'd skim it and be like, 
oh, like sunshine, grass, like, okay, this is a happy poem. I get it. Or like doom, gloom. Okay, this is a sad poem. I get it. And I'd speed past it. Right. And so then it turns out at the very end, Kaya has been this Amanda Hamilton person the whole time. And I'm like, I literally like wimp back through the book to like make sure like the poems didn't get start like getting brought up until she could read and write because <laughs> i was like what oh my fuck? god oh my god that, that's so, a big plot hole i know and so then i go back and i'm like reading these poems and i'm like no wonder i didn't read these these are really shitty poems no wonder they're shitty they were written by like a 14 year old all poems written at 14 are and, shitty like, it's in one of these poems that she ultimately confesses to Chase's murder, and that's, like, how the book ends. Uh, Tate reads this poem, and then he, like, knows she's a murderer, and I guess we're just supposed to accept that he's going to continue being with her. <laughs> like, this book was fucking insane, and so then I was like, I mean, I guess I could see Taylor Swift writing a song for this. It sounds like up her alley song-wise. I get it. We, like, doing malicious things to men. Okay. But, I'm just like, who was like, let's make this into a movie? Like, and, I don't know, I'm probably gonna watch it, I'm not gonna lie, like, I I need to see what they do with this, like, I can't look away. Yeah, I feel like I'll need to watch it, too. Like, I cannot look away from this disaster. Like, I don't know. Did I even explain the plot that well? Like, I'm pretty sure I hit all the major notes. But, like, I still feel like there's so much that happens that, like, I didn't even mention because it's just so outlandish. And I'm like, it is very who wrote outlandish. this? Do you know who wrote this? Some lady named, like, Delia Owens. Oh, and so that's the thing. Whenever you Google it now, like, Taylor Swift being involved in this, like, if you just search where the crawdads thing, one of the first articles that comes up is, like, Taylor Swift is getting backlash for, like, participating in this. Um, And so this author, like, okay, so that's the thing. The author of this book, her life lines up very much like the plot of this book only she from my understanding she grew up pretty privileged um but she grew up like surrounded in nature like really knew a lot about the lands and everything so a lot of the nature facts like she you know really knew about knows her stuff on there there are some really great descriptions of scenery in this book i guess but like i don't know who reads for anything like that um i do Okay. For for it makes it makes it like a living breathing world. Yeah, I will say that like I do think she does a good job of pulling from her real life experience. Like you can almost hear. I feel like the setting, the way it's described. If I was gonna give it like one good thing, I I would say I think that that's done really well, and you can tell it has to do with the author's background. Um. Yeah, she, I think, like, lived in nature, grew up in it, but then, like, her husband, like, got caught up in some scandal, and, like, someone was murdered, and, like, it looks like her husband did it, and she's like, I'm not involved. Anyways, the whole thing kind of sounds like the plot to this book, but maybe reversed situations, I don't know, um, but... 
people are also like, it's not a very good take on um, someone who's white trying to observe like how this black community would like react with this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like it makes room the her as an author writing certain things like it leaves room for a lot of mm, assumptions I think like because you know she's never had like a lived experience as a black person and then for her to try to not only write about how they would act in a situation but with poor people another group she's never really identified with it's it doesn't that doesn't sit well with me like those like I don't know it's like one thing if like I feel like you've had a struggle of like going through college like putting yourself through that now you're successful but it very much seems like she came from a family of privilege. I didn't get the impression that was the case. I could be wrong about that. If I am, I'm sorry. Like, props to her if she did it. But just the fact that... Oh, did you ever read uh, The Help or watch that movie? No, no. But I, I know what it's about. And a lot of the problems with it is this, like... It's almost like an overt theme of like white feminist saviors have you heard of like white saviorism before yeah yeah and like that's what you see in the help and i think it's like this lady was trying to do that in a different way where like she was gonna put the like saviorhood on the black people but then there's so much room to decide, like, should they have, like, told someone that girl was living by herself? I don't know, you know? Like, there's room for debate. Like, I could completely see why they didn't. But there's no, like, heroic moment that you see, like, white women have, like, in the help and other, you know, media that's similar. Do, do you... I don't know. I just didn't like it. I didn't like that. I don't know. I think it, it sounds, would. It sounds like the like definitely a plot hole. Like the biggest one. Like like it would make sense. Like you know that Dixie Chick song. Like the one where they kill Earl. Yeah. Um, like the, celebrate that, but then like. To tack on what like an addendum to a song and be like, no, the people who like raised me, they're the ones who did it. <laughs> like, is that is that? Well, she doesn't. Getting... She doesn't blame them um, for the murder. She. Uh, well, I forget. They're just like these people, like who she sells the bait to. That she sells the bait to the black people when she's really young. Um, right. There's jumping and Mabel. We're related to one another, but like at the end of the book, like the detectives come and they do what exactly? Why? How? How does the black they arrest like? her? They arrest Kaya. Oh, okay. And then Kaya gets a lawyer. The black people support her, like they. 
aren't allowed in the court, but they go every day, which it's like also like a weird, okay. like there's just all these weird, like, uh, um, subversive, like passive uh, microaggressions, I guess. Yeah. And I don't like it. Were and it's like that. Hmm. Were the parents just like that? Which ones? Like the one who beat his mom and then the mom, the artist. Like, did so they have they those were... I- did they have those ideals as well, do you think? And they imparted that onto the child? What do you mean? Like what ideals? It's like like passing down racism or something like that's the only thing you know well i don't think well here's my thing is like okay she's by herself by the time she's like 12 and she's living in nature and uh jumpin and his wife mabel are literally the only adults in her life and the only ones like seeing her keeping an eye on her taking care of her making sure she gets food and money like he gives her money in exchange for bait from these oysters that she has to dig up every morning mm-hmm. okay interesting like they take care of her but then the, i would suggest that like there's room for debate and like how much care they take you know quote unquote like because you could say like well they should have gotten her and like brought her with them but then they're like, well, that looks suspicious. So, like, they can't really protect her in that sense. Like, I think, like, you really hit the nail on the head probably 30 minutes ago now when you brought up the perspective this book is told from. And I hadn't even mentioned that. Uh, but I really do think if this story had been told through Kaya's eyes, that her actions would have been a lot more understandable and like i think the book could have Um, even gone more smoothly rather than how it's told from an outside perspective which is called omniscient by the way um, yeah (laughs) for some reason i i I didn't know that until you said it (laughs) um well, this dang. book, though, yeah, real quick, crazy. it was it was on Reese Witherspoon's like book club list. I think that's part of why it's gonna be a movie. <sighs> I Reese don't know. Has a book list, right? Right? That's I don't know, David. I learned so much from this Taylor Swift post, and now my life is semi ruined i don't even know (laughs) i don't i don't know um do you have a thinking cap question for me for from this book um like you know if you want to make it like general overtones of what goes on hang on i want to see if that website i like there's this website i use y'all it's called um schmoop i think and uh it's really great. As it's basically like Sparknotes, but I think that they do a better job than Sparknotes at really um, breaking down novels. So uh, I just highly recommend that website. I'm not finding this book on there. That's a bummer. But uh, let me see. I wonder what kind of quotes they have. Oh, it's wanting me to buy it. What happened to Sparknotes? Do people not use that anymore? 
Yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> what does she say? Oh, God. Oh, that's a good quote. Let me read you this quote. This is a good quote. And then you can tell me what you think. I will say that there are some good little tidbits throughout this book. So, and this is kind of funny because this is like coming from Kaya's mind. It says, I wasn't aware that words could hold so much. I didn't know a sentence could be so full. One more time. I wasn't aware that words could hold so much. I didn't know a sentence could be so full. Huh. That's, yeah, that's a good quote. Um, she says that after she learns how to read. <laughs> oh, my God. In context, in context, that sounds like a cheesy-ass line. But, like, if we want to keep it general, like, you right. could slap that shit on a poster and, like, right? hang it up in your room just for some motivation. Like, oh, like, I've always been one for vocabulary. And, I don't know. Um, We were going to talk about Conspiracy Corner, if you could think of anything. Oh, so, yeah, I'm sorry. I googled it, and this little blurb came up. And um, it said, let's see, where'd it go? Oh, it says, there are several nods to Delia, the author's own life in her novel in which Delia and her husband were connected to a real-life murder in 1995. They were the primary suspects in the shooting of an alleged poacher in Zambia. Um, Yeah, so like allegedly her and her husband were like really big wildlife sanctuary advocates and then um i don't know if her husband was like actually in on this plan to like murder this poacher but um yeah she kind of bases pieces of the story off of that oh wow that's uh quite the quite the inspiration i guess like i don't know where you where you would where that fits in specifically oh my gosh okay in 1995 this is in a bustle article in 1995 an abc camera crew came to zambia to film a segment highlighting the owens's conservationist efforts what they filmed would air as a 1996 turning point special titled Deadly Game, the Mark and Delia Owens story. The film documented rising tensions between the Owenses and local poachers, showing Mark Owens orders uh, scouts to shoot at them first when you see the whites of his eyes. Um, that's awful. Um, writing to donors after the episode aired, the Owens has claimed that the shoot to kill policy is only used by Zambian government game scouts in self-defense. Um, and that it's not a policy of their project, even though they literally film him 
saying to shoot people. Weird. Yeah. Um, the episode actually showed a scene with the death of an alleged poacher. So I guess like they don't even have confirmation that this guy has actually poached. Um, they, I, in the scene, they called a guy a trespasser and he shot several times. Um, and it's on camera. Um, Meredith Vieira, do you know who she is? The name rings a bell. She hosted Millionaire, I think, right after we just did. Um, She's been on, like, morning talk shows. I think she might have her own show now. She does, like, different game shows. She's Uh, very smart. Uh, She's a Mensa member. Um, So she actually reported on um, the Owens' work in Africa. Um, She explained in uh, the Turning Point piece that the ABC crew were allowed to accompany patrols in Zambia after they agreed um, not to identify those involved if, uh, like, they shot a poacher. So if she saw someone shoot a poacher, she was not to identify them. Um, yeah, the Owenses, so including Delia, the author of the Crawdads book, um, they deny any involvement in the shooting of the poacher, but, um, it says they they are wanted in connection to the Zambian government. This article's from 2019, I mean, I think I saw that the lady made a Facebook post the other day. Um, So it could just be that her husband is the main culprit that's getting that they found involved or that they have proof to show was involved. Um, Let me see. So that's a big conspiracy corner right there. So, oh, here we go. Here's a good. So, um, Writing in a Slate article, Laura Miller draws connections between um, the alleged homicide and where the crawdads sing and um, what happened to the poacher. Um, the Slate article, it's all speculation, but um, like I talked about earlier, the book is set in uh, mid-century North Carolina. The novel focuses on... Um, they call her homeless, but she has a home, technically. Uh, but a, a victim named Kaya. Um, she becomes the prime suspect in the murder of the local high school quarterback. Um, Kaya's plight as the vulnerable target of a police investigation echoes the author's Zambian experience and the subsequent ordeal of becoming the subject of an 18,000-word expose in a prominent magazine. Um, and then they say it's intriguing how the novel's ending reveals that Kaya is the killer. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Like, this book, like, I... um. I talked to her friend. It was funny. She had actually started listening to the book um, right before Taylor Swift made this announcement. And she's a big Taylor Swift fan, too. So she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was already listening to it. 
And so we were talking about it and she asked me which, uh, or I asked her what she thinks would happen. Cause I don't really get spoiled. Even if I read a plot, if I'm heavily interested in something, I'm still going to read or watch it. Like, Right. Even if I know what happens, sometimes that even makes me more excited for it. Wow. Um, sorry, I don't know what that was. No, um, yeah, it was me. But uh so I was talking to my coworker and she was like, Well, I think that Tate killed this guy. And like this whole time I kinda thought that's where the book was gonna go. Like this guy who loved her came ends up coming back for her, all this all all this time, this unrequited love. Sure. He surely he's going to be the one to murder for her. And then that's not the case. She's the one who did it. And like this lady, like her husband's the one going down right now. Not her. Right. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. What are your, what are your takeaways from the book? I guess that's like, are you taking anything of, sustenance out of out of this reading that you you did so here's the thing part of the reason i i was willing to read this aside from the fact that taylor swift's doing this song is because i do enjoy being in on the pop culture like the zeitgeist i like being in on it um so in that sense, like, I don't regret that I read it because now I know what everyone is anticipating. But it's weird because when I think what we'll see as we get closer to this movie coming out, I think it comes out in July. Um, I feel like it's going to be portrayed as like excitement, which like I don't think anyone should go into this movie excited. Um, I think... You have to be careful when you are going to write about experiences that you haven't had before. I think you need to be sure that you are pointing to sources like, like maybe you had that childhood experience, but also be realistic with the fact that if you were a kid and you met this guy and you called him jump in like, as you would get older, you would ultimately ask him his name if he had cared for you for so long. Like, like having an awareness of some of things like that, if you are going to try to write about in that way um, mm-hmm. and include other cultures, like I'm not necessarily against doing that. I think it's a good way to explore other experiences and to put yourself in someone else's shoes I just think I don't like the shoes this author put herself in. I will say, though, like, the imagery throughout this book, like, I I feel like I've already seen this movie because of how descriptive the book was. Like, it's very well done in that sense. And another thing I really like is how she is so smart about the way she talks about nature and scenery. And I wish more authors... Um, what kind of utilize those literary aspects of, of literature that I don't feel like you see as often, but, um, I haven't read a whole lot of fiction lately, so I'll be honest about that too. Yeah. To be honest, I haven't read since the last book we did, the separate piece. <laughs> yeah. And I that is, 
that book was a really great example of um, imagery and and really, or not just imagery, but nature and imagery and Mm -hmm. connecting those scenes so strongly to a narrative. I do feel like Crawdads did that pretty well. It's just like, it, it just almost makes it even more unsettling because there is something haunting about swamp land I feel like um that when you're thinking about that it it just I think it just makes the whole scene so much more dire so much and maybe that's what she was going for so I don't know I won't criticize that you can vividly see these images and I applaud any author who could do that well I think that's a good place to wrap it up if you if you don't got anything else. I don't have anything else. Well, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, I'm sure there's more ramblings for you to check out over on Patreon at patreon.com. Was that a ramble? No, no. My, like, <laughs> our ramblings. You know, you know. Oh, my God. Okay. No, 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 no. Shannon, oh, my goodness. I rambled. I'm sorry. No, no. It was good rambling. It was good rambling. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, uh, if you want to know when new episodes go live, go uh, subscribe to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Um, and Shannon, I guess next time we're going to be talking about Tomagotchi again. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> yeah, yes. Finally. It really is ready this time. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting here right on the document. Good to go. I took a look at it and forgot I actually do have a really good sim for that episode. So I can happily say that sin as well um and okay. then david you'll owe us oh. too oh, okay all right i can do so that so y'all that. stick around for that i'm gonna go learn how to paint a ladybug <laughs> nice uh, i was about to say i was about to i gotta go eat some crawdads <laughs> <laughs> perfect but don't read that book yeah but don't read the book uh, love y'all all right Bye. talk about you later bye the zeitgeist is a bi-weekly podcast recorded in the dfw austin and san antonio areas in the state of texas the podcast is hosted produced and edited by me david lonnie waters my co-host and researcher for the show is shannon boffman as you know all of our shows are fan funded on patreon at patreon.com slash wdm1 The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and for that, we're stoked for your sponsorship. Lone Star Aeronautics and Sharon.